You're listening to Thank You Five, a podcast devoted to Omaha's vibrant performing arts scene. My name is Dana Schweiger, and I've worked in Omaha theater for over 25 years. I'm sitting down with directors, performers, musicians, technicians, and designers to discuss their artistic talent, their passion, and why they continue to call Omaha home. Jackson has been stage managing in Omaha for the past 11 years. Her first experience in theater was doing makeup for Cats at Miller North High School. From there, she reached out to the Rose Theater, where she was introduced to props, lighting, and stage management, and met an incredible group of designers and technicians who helped kickstart her stage management career. She has since stage managed for companies including F Troop Collaborative, Opera Omaha, the Omaha Community Playhouse, the University of Nebraska at Omaha, Snap Productions, the Blue Barn Theater, American Midwest Ballet, Shelterbelt Theater, Nebraska Shakespeare, Omaha Symphony, and Creighton University. Recent credits include The Wizard of Oz, The Nutcracker, and A Midsummer Night's Dream with American Midwest Ballet. Indecent and Nureyev's Ives with Blue Barn Theater, Opera Outdoors, Cozy Von Tutti, Production Assistant, La Boheme, Production Assistant, and The Barber of Seville, Production Assistant with Opera Omaha, She Kills Monsters with Creighton University, and Van Gogh and Me and Buffalo Bill's Cowboy Band with The Rose Theater. Taylor completed the stage management intensive with movement and combat education taught by Thomas A. Kelly, who wrote the Backstage Guide to Stage Management, and Chuck Coyle, the former president of the Society of American Fight Directors. She is also a member of the Stage Managers Association and serves on their education and Ask a Stage Manager committees, as well as a young art patron committee member with the Jocelyn Art Museum. Taylor graduated from the University of Nebraska at Omaha with her Bachelor of Science in Education. She currently is the Foundation and Corporate Giving Associate for Bemis Center for the Performing Arts. She is also the Donor Relations and Data Management Coordinator at Partnership for Kids and works as a stagehand with IATSE Local 42. Taylor Lee Jackson. Welcome to the Green Room. Thank you so much for having me. So we'll start off with the basics. Where are you from originally? Are you originally from Omaha? Yes, I'm from Omaha, and I was here through fifth grade. And then for a few years, my family and I moved to San Antonio, Texas, just right outside of San Antonio. We were in the Hill Country. I lived in Spring Branch, and we were there for a few years. Got to enjoy Texas, which was awesome. I love Texas. I miss it. What what, What about Texas do you like? There were just tons of uh, recreation opportunities. We were really close to the ocean. We lived around the corner from the Guadalupe River. Um, it was just a time that my family and I just kind of focused on spending time together and enjoying like the area. So we'd go tubing on the weekends. We'd drive down to the coast and go to the beach and just have really good memories of adventuring around Texas to all of the different environments and places. Okay. And you were there for how long? 
it was just over two years. Okay. And then you moved back to Omaha? Yep. Moved back to Omaha. I did um, a year at Kiwit um, for middle school. And then I was at Miller North for, for high school. Did you do any plays when you were in grade school, either in Texas or here? Not really. There was one summer I did, gosh, it must have been like maybe fourth grade. I did like a Shakespeare camp and I played Polonius and Hamlet. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it kind of came from my grandparents would always take me to Nebraska Shakespeare in the summer. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I love Shakespeare. Like this is kind of cool. And so I just did that for a summer. But then I didn't do theater for the longest time, I was a hard hardcore swimmer, um, and so I had two practices a day, swim meets every weekend, and that's what I did all the way through high school. But then my sophomore year of high school is when I kind of got introduced to theater. Well, I guess makeup uh, for cats was my freshman year. Uh, so you were a swimmer. Yeah. Uh, was it the breaststroke? Was it the what? What was your specialty, or did you have multiples? Did you do medleys? Yeah. So See, I watched the Olympics. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so I did. Um, I was a long distance swimmer. Okay. I really liked the the long distance stuff. So I did a lot of um like the five hundreds um and the thousands for freestyle, and then my other favorite one was the four hundred IM. Okay. Yeah. So a little bit of everything. Yeah. Do you attend the swim trials when they're here? Uh, I did one year. Um, okay. I got to go. Uh, I got free tickets, and I was sitting like just a little bit in front of uh, Michael Phelps's mom, and I thought that was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would be cool, yeah. yeah. And then I, I, I got to see some of my old swim coaches and stuff like that. So, oh, that's really yeah. Neat. That was, I think, the year after I graduated high school. I okay. did that. Mm-hmm. Did you medal? Did you get any medals when you were in high school when you were when you swam? Uh, I didn't. I didn't go all the way through high school. I went through ninth grade and then I did water polo my sophomore year and then okay. I found theater and I and was like oh okay. this might be a fun way to spend yeah. my time with well, something a little bit different I'd been swimming since I was six okay so it was kind of like yeah my whole life so when you start so when you start out in theater mm-hmm. uh was it just strictly backstage or did you do any on stage it was basically just backstage okay. um I I mean other than doing Polonius right. in work <laughs> Sure, sure, but yeah, but you said the first thing that you did was was makeup for cats. Yeah. So so after that, that was when I so I did makeup for cats. I was like, hey, theater is kind of interesting. What do I do with it now? You know, like sure. what do I do with this interest? And so I emailed the Rose and got put in contact with um, a woman named Kirsten von Hagen, and she was the props master, and she worked with me and she was like, I'll come in late on Tuesday mornings and I'll stay late on Tuesday nights so you can come in and learn about props and just kind of get an intro to tech theater. And so from doing that, Kirsten was like, oh, hey, you know, you show up on time. You're, you know, like you're reliable. You're interested in this. Like you're kind of cool. There's an opportunity to um, assistant stage manage on The Wizard of Oz. And that was kind of my first Foray into stage management. Yep, yep. And that's where I met my mentor, uh, Angela Turner. She's awesome and kind of the first person I met that introduced me to stage management and kicked off that interest. Quick question. Yeah. Are you at all interested in the cats movie because there's been a huge debate (laughs) and since you know since you did the makeup for cats i have to know is are you like uh are you like pro cats movie are you anti-cats movie are you no opinion i i feel like i'm pro okay (laughs) 
There's nothing. If I had, if I had to say to be ashamed about one or the other, yeah, I feel like I'm pro. Okay, um, but it's also because of this the nostalgia. Sure. Um, because sure. I'm like, oh, you know, I got like that was my first show that I did in theater, yep. and so like I still remember the music. Like I can still think of like, you know, just like my friends on stage and just that experience, like that camaraderie. So I feel like I have like a nostalgia thing for for cats. Well, and Miller North has a really strong theater program. I remember, mm-hmm. I mean, and this is going back like years and years and years and years and years ago. But when I, I went to an all-girls Catholic school, and when, so I graduated in like 1987. And back then, when we did productions, like we did West Side Story and things like that, we had to like go out and find guys, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And there were a bunch of guys from, from Miller North that came down and auditioned, and they were really, really good. But I remember they had a very strong cool. program. So I'm mm-hmm. assuming that's still, yeah. if you guys were doing Cats, I'm sure that that still <laughs> yeah, was. Yeah, we did Cats, and we did Rent during my time there. Uh, what else? Fiddler on the Roof. I've done Fiddler on the Roof twice. I love Fiddler on the Roof. Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, High School Musical. <laughs> yeah, we did a lot of a lot of cool shows that were fun. How many years did you – so? So you learned a lot of the backstage technical stuff working at the Rose. Mm-hmm. D- did you do that all the way through high school when once you started that? Yeah, so I reached out to them. I think I started doing it my sophomore year, and then I did that all the way through through high school. There was uh, one summer that Kirsten, Von Hagen, Will, and Will Davis, they came to me and they were like, hey, um, we're doing this show with F Troop Collaborative and we lost our little kid. They were doing the pillow man. They were like, we lost our little kid. Do you want to be in the pillow man? <laughs> They're like, you don't have to talk or anything. Um, but I was the kid in all of the pillow man scenes that, okay. you know, mm-hmm. experienced mm-hmm. all of those things. <laughs> um, so I guess I did act a little bit. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It counts. It's yeah. credit. Yep, it's exactly. Credit. So I did that and then it must have been the next year or the year after that they did someone who will watch over me and will came to me and was like hey do you want to stage manage this show and so that was my first time that was your first actual true stage management yeah so we'll back up a little bit so you said angela was your your mentor yeah yeah i i looked up to her a lot whether it was you know official or not that she was my mentor I I really looked up to her and she was the first one that I saw you know create the stage management paperwork that was like my first time seeing it you know and then the process of being backstage for the show Mm -hmm. and yeah I learned I learned a lot from her during that process that was a huge show but yeah that was my first intro into that and then my next show was uh, the Berenstein Bears Save Christmas with Suzanne with them and those two have kind of taught me a lot over the years and I yeah, people a... that I look up to in stage management mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what is it about uh stage management what what draws you to stage management as opposed to saying like doing props or stage makeup or anything else backstage what is it about the stage management process that you really enjoy yeah big question I like it all <laughs> um so I really like I guess you know, in the beginning process, I mean, you're a part of everything, you know, you're not 
just doing props. You're not just doing lights. You get to see the entire process. Sure. So I will. So I'm going to interrupt you for one second. So hold that thought. So Mm -hmm. for those who are not familiar with the role of a stage manager, why don't we talk about that first? What you as a stage manager, what your role is in the production from rehearsals through performance. And then we'll talk about what parts of that uh, just follow up for the the question that I just asked. So I okay. got a little bit ahead of myself. So sure. what is it about? So what is a stage manager? What is a stage manager? So we're a part of the process pretty much from the beginning through the end. Before we actually have like actors, um, we're usually a part of the um, like the production meetings where we hear about the design concepts. We hear from the director. We you know kind of build what the show will be. And then after that, we have rehearsals where we have actors. Um, well, I guess we have auditions first. So helping with the audition process, mostly being, um, you know, the person who delivers the paperwork or delivers the people and helps with that process. Um, and then we move into rehearsals, the managing of the rehearsal space, the time, like taking breaks, what time we start, what time we end, um, making sure that's communicated with the director. And then during rehearsals, we're taking blocking notes. Uh, We're keeping track of any technical elements. Uh, So that is props, where a prop enters and leaves, where actors enter and leave. If there is a scene change, what does that scene change look like? Are actors helping with that? In that process, you need to be thinking about how am I going to get my crew, who's not a part of the show yet, but how am I going to orchestrate those changes. So that's kind of the rehearsal process. Then after that, we move into tech week and tech week is where stage managers take over the entire process, I suppose, or the room, you know? Um, so we're, you know, talking about what we're doing, uh, you know, on stage where actors need to be, what light cues we're in. We're getting all of the information about props, lights, set, drops, projections, sounds, you know, microphones. We're getting all of that information and then we're making it happen on stage and so during that rehearsal process that's a really good time to be taking those notes so that you're prepared when you go into tech to be able to lead that room in that space so that you're using your time wisely and then after we get through tech week it's running the show every day so making sure that people are there on time that they're getting checked in that they're getting into hair and makeup that they know what time the house is opening that they're checking their props that they're on stage when they need to be and then throughout the show depending you know on how big it is or what elements you have you're running you know lights you're you know you're calling lights you're calling sounds projections drops set pieces any you know deck cues stuff like that so kind of making it making all of those different pieces come together to be a show yeah it's really it's really great when it goes well (laughs) it does because once once a once a show opens you are the big cheese you're the one that you know you have to make sure that everything runs smoothly you're Mm -hmm. the one that has to communicate everything to every single person yeah so now going back to the previous question which is what do you like about it and you had actually had started to say you like all of it yeah i mean the process from beginning to end is is a lot of fun i would say my favorite part is probably tech week just the combining of all of those things like you've gone through so much in this rehearsal process and getting to the point where you are ready to add those tactical elements and then bringing the designers in just to see it all come together you know and what I love about theater is that it's not like it's never about 
one person. You know, it's not about the stage manager. It's not about the lighting designer or the sound designer because you can't make a show with just one of these people. It's the combining of all of these really unique talents and elements to make the show what it is. And I like kind of being the hub of that creativity and then being the person who gets to make that happen on stage. Mm-hmm. Like, I love calling really hard shows, you know, like where it's like, you know, calling cues on like three quarters of a second to get it right with that music to make that light show up just right on time that it gives you chills, you know? Like, I want to, I want to, I want to make the best show possible, not only for, the audience but for the designers to say that show is called really well and that's exactly what I wanted my show to look like so we're going to take a second to talk a little bit about some theatrical terms that people who who maybe aren't familiar with it if they're if if they haven't been familiar with the backstage aspect of it what certain things mean mm-hmm. calling a show depending on which theater you work with mm-hmm a stage manager may call a show where they have to tell, which basically calling a show means you tell the light people, you tell the sounds, you tell the deck people, whatever. This is your time to do what you do. Yep. Some theaters are small enough where you don't do that. Yep, you just take it on your own. You take it on your own. We're running from a computer with a space bar. Exactly, yep. and you're the one that runs it. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the kind of skills you need to have to be a stage manager. Okay. Yeah. And it's different depending on what kind of show you're doing. Yes. So like different. So why don't we do like a compare and contrast? Right. If that's, if, if we can take a moment to do that. So in a small space like Snap Shelter Belt, mm-hmm. where you basically, the stage manager does a lot of the things. One, because just space-wise, there isn't room to have, you know, a person in the booth running the show. Or if they do, with some shows, the stage manager is running downstage or ends up having to be a prop person or having to help dress. And so they can't, they have to be Mm all-encompassing. So I guess the first thing is, you know, if you're a stage manager, you have to have a working knowledge of all various aspects of theater. Mm -hmm. That's true. (laughs) You have to be able to, God, on a moment's notice, if you have to, sew somebody into a costume or help out with something or fix a prop fix a prop or get it to the point where you can get through the rest of the show Correct. and then you can give your note to the props person or the costume person to exactly say, hey exactly <laughs> yep and then you get in a bigger house where you can just sit at your podium yep backstage and either watch the production on a closed circuit television mm-hmm. and see it from the front or be able to turn your head sideways and look and see what's going on from the wings. Yep. To be able to say, like Q5, go. And then somebody trusts you enough to push that button when you say, go. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it really depends on, you know, not even the show, but the house, like, where you're you're sitting. Mm -hmm. Like, for for American Midwest Ballet, just did um, The Wizard of Oz. So we teched at... Iowa Western and there I sit in the booth in front of house so I get to watch the show from the booth from the audience perspective and then call my cues from there and I give calls to lights I have a deck crew I have rail you know 
I have all of the people. And then um, when we moved, the next place we went to was Sioux City. Uh, was the Orpheum at Sioux City. And so calling from there, I was also calling from from the house. And so I had lights on board. I was running sound. And then I had props, rail, and an electrician, and just different people backstage that I would have to give my give my calls to. But then when we moved to the Orpheum at, in Omaha, they have a stage manager podium backstage. So I just sit there and I give all of my calls from watching a, a monitor backstage. And that's how I can watch the show and give my calls. For ballet, it's all run basically off of timing. There are some cues that are visual based, like, you know, if they go into a specific lift or a specific movement, I'll call it on that. But you can usually get a time from that or a general area. So a lot of ballet is called off of time and other shows, you know, it'll all be based on lines. So knowing what line it's on or some shows it's called on a score. So you need to be able to read music to know when those are called because it needs to happen on a certain musical note or, you know, whatever it is. So, yeah, it, it not only depends on the show, but also the house and, you know, what kind of elements are in those particular shows. So what are some of the qualities you need to have from a personal standpoint in order to be a stage manager? I think it depends on how you want to stage manage. Okay. Because um, even, you know, specific stage managers have different qualities. Sure. That make them good for different reasons. Wes Houston and I talk a lot about our different skills and how we complement each other. We work on uh, the Nutcracker together. And um, he calls the show and then I run the deck. So I'm, you know, making sure all the set pieces are entering when they need to, that the deck crew knows what they need to be doing, that the electrician's where he needs to be to plug in a thing, you know, whatever it is. I'm running the deck and he's just calling the show and we work really well together. And, you know, he's really, really great at paperwork and some of those more finite, you know, detail oriented things. Not that I'm not good at those, but I really love kind of, um, he always says that I'm, I'm super chill. (laughs) and I think it's you know I think that's good and I get that comment a lot from you know like the thank yous that I get from you know opening night cards or whatever like oh you made this process so smooth and so easy and I didn't have to stress during this I didn't have to worry and you know when you're that person that's leading the space and you can be calm no matter what you know what kind of things are happening if you can stay calm and know that you're going to find a solution that works for everyone I think that's really important. Like you, you kind of, you, you give the attitude for the space or like the, the feeling of the space. And if you can run it well and run it on time and be calm and collected and on top of your shit, you know, mm-hmm. like that's awesome. <laughs> and it really, it goes to everyone, you know, you're telling actors where they need to be and, you know, you need to be, I guess, prepared. You need to look ahead before, you know, forward thinking, like, when you're in the rehearsal space, what am I going, you need to be, you know, looking ahead to tech week. Is this going to be something that I'm going to spend 10 minutes on? Is this going to be something that's super easy? What does this look like for the technicians that need to be running this transition, whatever it is. So you need to be organized, forward thinking. And then I personally think, you know, being calm and collected and reliable goes a long way. Well, let me ask you this. Before you started stage managing, and granted you started stage managing, you know, when you were younger, but Mm -hmm. not not like you're ancient now, but (laughs) when you started as a stage manager, were you as organized as you are now? Did you find that a lot of your stage management stuff 
has uh, skills, I should say, not stuff, have poured over into your personal life. The reason why I ask is because my original background when I graduated from college was stage management. Mm -hmm. But I don't think, as I look back on it, that when I first started, I was as organized, as timeline-oriented as I am now. Mm -hmm. I became that way due to necessity because of being a stage manager. But that spilled over into now when I work a regular day job and I'm and I haven't done stage managing for years, but it helps me as a director, it helps me as a performer, it helps me as a lot of different things. So I think the discipline of stage management helped me grow discipline wise a lot in my own personal life. Mm-hmm. No, I think I have always been kind of like that. I've always had that mindset of being super organized and, you mm-hmm. know, really managed my time well and, you know, did a lot in school and, you know, was all in the higher classes and, you know, all of that. I don't know. It just kind of came naturally, I guess. I guess that's just how I am. And mm-hmm. then I found stage management and I was like, oh man, this is how I can kind of implement those skills and that personality that I already have to something that I'm passionate about. Right. Yeah. Right. What is the difference or do you approach stage managing an opera differently than a ballet, a musical, and a play? Yes, some of it is that way just because the nature of the piece, like you said, Mm -hmm. with calling shows for ballets are different Mm -hmm. than than an opera or different than than a musical but from the actual process like rehearsal process are there are there differences there yes absolutely you know for like a play or a musical you're in the process um the whole time from rehearsal all the way all the way to the end and you know that's for any kind of like the community playhouse blue barn the rose any of these houses where it changes is like American Midwest Ballet. I come in after they've already they've already done their choreography, they've already done their rehearsals. I come in, watch a run through, and I'll sit with the lighting designer Carol Wisner and the artistic director Erica Overturf, and we'll sit there and they're running through the show. And Erica will be like, "I want the curtain to come in here. I want this drop to come in here." Carol's sitting next to me saying, "I want a blackout to happen here." There's going to be some light thing that happens with the lift right there, and I just take down these notes as we sit and watch the run through. And then the next time I'm with them is the next week and we're doing load in and then we're in tech week and we have those few days of tech and then we're running performances. So it's a much shorter process for opera. That process is also much different. This, and it's mostly um, from the stage management team. The stage management team is bigger. So you have um, a stage manager that's running the space, taking down blocking notes, then it's separated into two separate ASMs, assistant stage managers. So one assistant stage manager is handling all of the makeup, hair, and costumes. Anything that needs to happen with like a costume change or getting a purse or, you know, whatever it could be costume related, there's one person, one ASM handling that. And then there's another ASM that handles all the props. So they do all the setting. They track where props are coming on and off. They know who needs what, when. And then you have... And that's, is that during the rehearsal process? Yes. Itself? That's interesting because Opera Omaha is where I worked as a stage manager and that's much different, but I've been out of it for 20 years. So ah, it's yeah. much different 
than when I did it. Okay, this is fascinating. Go ahead. Yeah, so then that stage management team works all together to create this um, who, what, when, where. They they track everything, and they mm-hmm. have this document where they know where everything is happening, when, when drops are coming in or I out, where people are who, coming. I still yep. use the who, what, where when I direct. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It helps from a directing standpoint, too, because you track, you know, where everything is. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it makes it much more detail-oriented. You're also much more accurate by having these separate people totally focused on those things. And those assistant stage managers are still you know, they'll be assigned like a stage left or stage right. And they're giving all of the cues for entrances. So plays, musicals, you know, at most of the community places, we're trusting actors to go on when they're supposed to, because, you know, maybe they should know that. <laughs> but opera, the the artists travel around, they do, you know, maybe the same role and they're traveling around to all of these places, but we give cues to everyone who enters. So we give them a standby and we give them a go and that's when they enter. But that doesn't happen in any other any other place that I. It I doesn't, work, right? and that was the thing when uh, the very first show that that I stage managed for Opera Omaha, and I had come from directing or stage managing regular plays and musicals, and mm-hmm. I was like, okay, you have to tell them when to go on stage. I'm like, they don't know, <laughs> <laughs> right? And they, and they just kind of looked at me and I went, okay, I guess they don't know. And and then you're back there, stand by and go. And, you know, and it's fun when scenery's going on and off and you're trying to wave them down because you got to be at your music stand so you can watch with the music and then say, go, mm-hmm. go. Yep, and you have to be following along in, yep. the, in the score the whole time. It, exactly. It's a great exercise in all of the skills. Mm-hmm. But you need to be a great stage manager. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I like doing the shows. That's fascinating that, uh, that they just bring it from a ballet standpoint that they just bring you in so late in the process because mm-hmm. that was my cur- curious curiosity was how do you take down blocking for a ballet but you don't no <laughs> nope I don't so yeah it's really just the managing of of tech and and mm-hmm. performances mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so my focus really goes entirely to entirely to tech where lights need to happen you know where a deck piece needs to move, where um, a drop needs to come in or out. My my focus is entirely on tech and making all of that paperwork and making that all happen, which is great because it's a lot to kind of come together in a week, you know, mm-hmm. especially depending on the show. Nutcracker, it's kind of the same thing every year. I can get the same paperwork out. I'm working with the same crew. You know, if I'm in the Orpheum with the IATSE crew, it's usually the same guys that have done it for years, and they're like, "Yeah, Taylor, we know. <laughs> like, great, you know, you mm-hmm. guys, you know, you guys are solid. You know what's up. So exactly. it makes it easy to travel around and and do that production. You know, we get out and we build the same things. You know, we're building the same cake that we build every year. We're building the same set. You know, the stairs and everything. So that's really easy to unpack and and run. But for like the Wizard of Oz, it was a brand new show. We had brand new costumes. We had brand new set pieces. The drops were new. Everything was was brand new. And so going into that, you know, you're like, okay, I have lights, I have rail, I have set pieces that are going on and off. I have props that need to be set. And a lot of these changes needed to happen in in blackouts. You know, like you don't have a lot of time. And so kind of orchestrating those to be best done it was a lot and I um and I was stage managing that and I brought on Jackson Zimmerman as my assistant stage manager and he was absolutely wonderful it's really great when you can find an assistant that you work well with and that you can rely on them because 
I was stuck at the booth the whole time calling all of the things that needed to happen. And I needed someone that I could trust, you know, to manage the deck to make sure that all of the potion bottles and the crystal ball, you know, all of these things, you know, for like the witch's castle scene, that all of those things were set and they're on time so that when I pull out the, you know, the drop and bring on the lights that I can trust that everything's set there and we're not going to see like a crew member like, you know, scuffling off stage. Yeah, it's a lot. But it's it's fun when it all goes well and that light comes up and everything's there and the fog's rolling on, you know. But it takes work and it takes time. And I think that's a really important thing to remember when you're going into a tech process is, you know, it isn't just for the actors. Like when we get to tech week, we're adding all of these technical elements and we need time to be able to make it look like it should, you know, to give the technicians time to learn what the prop piece is. Like this is their you know, maybe their first time working with it, you know, their first time running through that change. And so it's really great when directors also appreciate and acknowledge that process and know what it takes to be able to have that run well. Do you go out on tour? The Nutcracker tours. Last year we went, we started at Iowa Western and then we went to, hmm, we do Iowa Western, Spirit Lake and Okaboji. And then Orpheum in Omaha, and then we went to San Antonio. So the mostly just the the ballet shows will tour around, and go to different. And mostly it's different houses, but you know we did we do go out of state, as well. And each time you travel there, you're getting a different crew, usually, any of your house crew. So like in Omaha, you know the IATSE crews run the Holland, the Orpheum, and the CHI Center. And so when we're in the Orpheum, we're working with people that are specifically Orpheum. Correct. Yeah. And so, you know, they have a house crew. So I know that I'm going to have Cassie on lights. I'm going to have Aaron as my electrician, you know, and you, you know, these people like, you know, Brian's going to be my props guy. Bo's going to be my props guy. And I've worked with them and know, you know, like for Nutcracker, I know that they've done this show year after year, so I can go to them and rely on them, you know, but then you also have to think about, you know, if we're doing a new show, there's new pieces. So you have to go in and be able to explain and train those things in a quicker process than you would maybe in a different house. But they also are used to these shows coming in, you know, like they do all the Broadway shows that tour through and they have to be, you know, I mean, they get it. (laughs) Well, and I'm sure after a while, there's like a, a standardized vocabulary Mm -hmm. so you can i mean and you have to have that and because you've worked with the stage hands you stage hand union which is iatsi because you've worked with them then when you go to different places i'm assuming that you're working with union houses and maybe you're not but i would Mm -hmm. assume you are working with union houses yeah Yeah. san antonio was yeah you guys speak the same language, so you can you can go in there, but still the communication is important to go in and succinctly mm-hmm. say, okay, this is what needs to happen because you're the one that tells them this is what needs to happen. This is where this is going to go and this is going to go. And then sometimes you have time and sometimes you don't like for, but you probably just have to at least recognize like, okay, who's the one that's going to be on headset on the fly rail and who's mm-hmm. going to be my headset guy on deck. And you know, so you can. Right. And with, um, with ballet, it's pretty nice. We have radios, so everyone has a radio, and so everyone can hear me when I give my deck cue calls. I just give them a standby and a go. They're like, "We don't need warnings. 
don't give us warnings. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I just make sure that they have the standby and they, they know their tracks. And so they're usually there by the time I'm giving the standby and then they know when to go. Like it's, it's pretty chill and they're professional and mm-hmm. responsible and yeah, I appreciate them. One of my, one of my favorite moments when, uh, the very, very first, uh, opera that I called and Paul Wiley, uh, who has since passed away, but he was the the master electrician, so he ran the light board and mm-hmm. and Paul, because the stage manager's console, you know, I was over there on stage right, and mm-hmm. the lighting console was directly, you know, to the right of the stage manager's console, and uh, and Paul had been, you know, doing it for years, and Paul would bring a book and he'd just sit there and read the book, mm-hmm. and I'm like, yep, standby like Q fourteen, he wouldn't move, and I'm like. Oh my god! <laughs> and then I'd be like, "Like you, fourteen, And all of a sudden, his hand would lift up and go on the go button, and mm-hmm. I would say, "Go." He'd push the button, make sure that the cue runs, and then like turn the page on the book <laughs> and continue reading. And I'm like, "Okay, yep." <laughs> but that's how it is mm-hmm. with uh, with the union guys because they're so used to doing it. Yep, and they work with so many different people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And. I don't know. So you had asked me about one of my my favorite things about stage management. Mm -hmm. I also love, not love when things go wrong, but I love the process of fixing them. Okay. Kind of like in a, you know, in a moment's notice or like, like I have 20 seconds in this blackout to figure out how I'm going to fix this. And I was, this was just recently for the Wizard of Oz. We were in Sioux City and we had had, we had one day of load in. We had a morning of tech rehearsal to get everyone on board with you know as a brand new crew running the show in that space and it was a smaller space so we didn't have all of our set pieces like it was it was kind of like putting together a new kind of show (laughs) and it was during a transition from it was going from the woods into so we had our performance that night we had rehearsal in the morning and then we had performance that night and then we're loading out and that was it it was really quick and during the performance it was going from the woods into the witch's castle scene and no it was going from from oz into the scene right before right before they go into the into the castle and so there's supposed to be these castle legs that came in but they took the wrong fly and brought in some trees <laughs> so Oops. i so i bring up i bring up the light cue and there's trees there and i was like oh crap like, what am I going to do? I have two guys on rail. The next transition, I need to have this black drop, this curtain going out. And then I also need to have these legs switched. I need to have not the woods, but those need to go out. And I need to bring in these castle legs. So I need three guys on rail in this transition to make this happen. And so I was like, okay, guys, we need to figure this out. We have like... 20 seconds to make this happen I was like you need to find a third guy to hop on rail and they're going to take out the woods and then you guys are going to bring in the castle and then bring out the black the black curtain and it's going to be great (laughs) it's going to be great so what should have happened was the only thing that should have happened was those blacks being being brought out because the Mm-hmm. Castle would have already been there. Yes. So you got to take out the bad fly, bring in the good fly, plus take out what the original cue was supposed Correct. to be, which was just one thing. Yep. Yep. 
and do that in a blackout. This is why a stage manager doesn't (laughs) read a book during the show. Nope. (laughs) Sure don't. So yeah, uh, you know, and you you just have that that moment to figure out, okay, I need to find one more person to hop over there. And then this is what those three people are going to do and make that happen. And small interjection, was it a union house? It was. It was. So for those who don't know, it's not like you can just pull Jackson Zimmerman over and say, run the fly. You have to find a union guy in Mm -hmm. those 20 seconds because that's the only person that can touch the rail. Yep. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Go on. (laughs) Yeah. So like that happened. Um, there was also, we were going from... So what happened? So d- don't leave us oh, hanging. okay. Don't well, leave us, no, the, so to speak. Yeah, so we went to Blackout, and I called the go, and I was I was pretty nervous, and I was sitting there, and I called for... Because they didn't they didn't let you know, okay, they didn't respond, they didn't say, hey, well, we're going to do know, this? I mean, yeah, I mean, they, they said that they were going to do it. They okay. found someone to hop on the gotcha. rail, and I took the, the Blackout for right before, you know, all those drops were going to, you know, go, and brought the lights back up and the fog was rolling. We were in the castle scene. The castle legs were there and it was beautiful. And it's those moments that are so exciting. And, and it's like, one of okay, those things. I figured that... it out. And it, it's working now. But there's exactly. like, you know, that happened in a blackout. So, you know, nobody really sees that. And it feels good on our end, like as technicians to be like, hell yeah, we figured that out. And look how good it looks, right? But there's some things that happen, you know, with full light on stage. And we were going from, um, it was, we were going from the tornado scene into Munchkin Land. And there was a sky drop that needed to go out in the transition, uh, in the blackout. And I called for lights to come back on, and we we're supposed to be in Munchkins. And the sky drop had, it had gone out a couple of feet. And then when I called lights, it came back in. And I was like, why is the sky drop still there? Like trying to figure it out. But I, I mean, I have munchkins that are entering from upstage and they're blocked by, by the sky drop. So I was like, oh God, you know, what do I do? Where can I? And I kind of look for a moment, like right before I knew the munchkins were going to have to start entering to call it to go out. So it kind of looked... Like it was planned. Yes. <laughs> and so... And that's the thing is, if you got to do it in the light, you got to make it look like it was planned. Right. Something just so it's not totally, right. you know, right. awkward. Um, <laughs> so yeah. I call for it to go out and the munchkins come on. And, you know, in those in those moments, you can't really be like, what happened? What went wrong? Right. You know, you need to kind of figure it out, you know, if it's a safety thing. But mm-hmm. if they can take it. Right. Right. go figure it out later and we were only doing one performance so yeah it wasn't even like a hey let's figure this out how do we not mm-hmm. do this later it's how do we make this happen right now mm-hmm. and uh so i get it out and i was talking to the real guy later and he was just like yeah when i was taking it out i kind of heard a heard a noise and then the lights came back on so i just brought it back in <laughs> i was like okay well you know we figured it out and it looked good and the munchkins yeah. came on it looked like a great transition so you know don't worry about it but i heard a noise <laughs> Yeah, like, I mean, if you hear something from overhead, bang, like, that's yeah. kind of a concerning yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, so. Exactly. Yeah, he exactly. decided to bring that back in and got the production manager back there with his with his um, flashlight and made sure it was cool, and then we took it out. That's one of the things the stage manager needs to have. You know, you go back to one of the strengths you said that you had, which was, you know, to kind of be cool under pressure. Mm-hmm. You need to have that. In situations like that, you have to be level-headed enough to just go, okay, let's, you know, let's figure out how it works. Mm -hmm. 
get it fixed, and then we'll, you know, debrief afterwards and figure right. out where, where the problem is and, and what we can do to make it better. And the other thing is you have to be that way around your performers mm-hmm. because the performers will panic. <laughs> yes. Uh, they will. Yeah. And I know that from an mm-hmm. acting standpoint. It's like they will panic and be like, oh, my God, what do we do? What do we do? Right. And then, you know, the stage person's like, calm down. It's cool. It's, it's mm-hmm. fixed. We've got it. We'll get it taken care of. Yep. And, I mean – that kind of communication is so important. Like if, if they do have a problem, like if they, you know, can't find a prop or, you know, something that affects their performance and they tell you, I like to come back and say, this is what happened and this is what we're doing mm-hmm. moving forward. And this mm-hmm. is how we can fix it. Make sure that they know and then make sure that your crew knows and just kind of go from there. But as long as everyone knows kind of what to expect, it can alleviate those nerves. And that's mm-hmm. what I try to do. How do you, as a stage manager, maybe there's nothing you can do. I suppose, again, it depends on the show. It depends on the situation. If during a performance of not a mus- uh, not a ballet, not an opera, but like a straight play or, or a musical, mm-hmm. when things happen on stage, like you can't prepare for everything, right? right? Mm-hmm. So how do you prepare for not being able to prepare for everything? <laughs> I yeah, mean, there are, a... some, uh, there are some standard things, you know, like, oh, gosh, this actor just went up on their line. So it's like... Oh, yeah. I mean, there's stuff like that to always be prepared or, for. Like... Or, oh, my goodness, that was a cue and this actor was supposed to come on stage and they didn't. Right. Now, do you have your stage manager, your assistant stage manager, go off headset to go find them? Do you pray that they hear it over the God mic and know that they've missed their cue? You know, there it mm-hmm. again. It depends on house. It depends on where you're located. Yes, who all of you those have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in those moments, so I mean, you hope those moments don't happen. And right. it's not even like you could prepare for that, but you never know what it's going to be. Right. <laughs> and so, like, I was doing Nutcracker one year, and some guys missed their entrance, and they were bringing on the elephant that went onto the backstage with or you know on the there's like a podium elephant gets brought on they lift it on and then the dancer um, comes down from the elephant well they didn't show up to be able to carry in the elephant so the dancer you know comes on but we don't have the elephant there and that's part of like the main you know visual piece in that scene and so I'm off stage going okay how do I get the elephant on stage and so I'm thinking okay after this after the song ends, like I have the guys here, they were late, but they're here. Like I can have them come and bring this on, set it so that we have it for the rest of the songs. But you know, there's only so much that is my decision versus an artistic decision, right? Sure. So like I can say, this is how it logistically can work. But ultimately that was an Erica call, the artistic director. So I can say, Hey, this is when we can bring it on. This is how we're going to do it. And then she can say yes or no. Right. And she decided to wait until another chance that we had to bring it on. But, you know, you can sit there and prepare at least. And, uh, you know, there's some like emergency situations. Mm -hmm. Like I had um, I was doing Tarzan at the Rose and Mm -hmm. I was ASM backstage. The stage manager, Angel Emerson, was up in the was up in the booth and we were on headset and. Tarzan had swung on stage, landed. It was a, the whole set was a bunch of different platforms and they were at various heights. He landed on this four foot platform. We got the rope swung back. He flew in, got the rope back and he had fallen off the stage. 
and they're all like oh man that looked pretty bad he's kind of holding his arm and I was like I don't know like didn't look that bad but like you know he's still dancing he's still singing you know how how can I prepare for this when he comes off stage and he came off stage left to me went through this tunnel and then got to me and laid on his back and he said boss what do I do and he was just overcome with pain and I was like oh my gosh what do I what do I do in this moment and I had known from um so at the Rose we have child wranglers for all of the kids that are in the shows my child wrangler for that show was an orthopedic surgeon oh my god (laughs) and it was the only day he volunteered for I was like I know I have him so I got you know Ryan into a safe spot and went and got my child wrangler and had him look at Ryan and you know see what had happened we ended up getting his his arms slung up but then the rest of the time was just kind of managing the backstage space he wanted to keep going with the show and that's what we did but just managing the space and making sure that it was comfortable and safe for him that people weren't crowding around him that he had water but obviously did not plan on that (laughs) right and then after the show you know it was kind of it was communicating with the stage manager communicating with the production manager they got him to an emergency room we called off that show that night and then we had one more show on sunday and he did it in a sling (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, you can't prepare for those things necessarily. You, no, you no. can't. When I back back when I was Just in college, and this, <laughs> and this wasn't even me, but it uh, was a production. I wasn't even in it. Of um, as you like it, and and one of the actors actresses, I don't remember the show well enough to know the character names, but her she was being chased around by her lover through the whole show. That was her bit. I mean, chased around, and she stood up wrong and broke her foot. Oh. Mid performance, mm-hmm. and ran around on stage on a broken foot. Ran off stage, said to the stage manager, "I've broken my foot." Pushed the bones back into place, oh <laughs> ran God. back out, ran around, and then they took her obviously to the hospital afterwards. And then right. she showed up at the cast party later that night in a boot. Mm-hmm. And then they had to go and readjust all the blocking the next day. And still have a yep. picture of Jenny sitting on the floor. Drinking a beer and in her walking boot. But yeah, she had broken her foot during performance and let the stage manager know. But what do you do? I mean, you just sit there and go, uh, (laughs) okay. Mm -hmm. And yeah, when, you know, when is that moment where it's bad enough to call a hold? When is it bad enough, you know, to stop it? Right. And I haven't had to do that. I think it's also super important. Like I stay up on my my first aid. I've done wilderness first aid training, you know, some more advanced stuff to know when do you move a person? When do you not, when, you know, just kind of look for those things and how do you, how do you handle those situations? Mm -hmm. Which is really great to know because you have people that get hurt. You have people that fall, you have people, you know, crazy things happen. Mm -hmm. And how do you manage those moments to make sure that they're in the best care that they can be, at least for a little bit, you know, like we're close enough in Omaha, we can call an ambulance and right. <laughs> but how do you manage that, that moment right there? And that's one of those skills mm-hmm. that I think all stage managers should have is how do you handle an emergency situation? And how do you give them care in that moment? No matter the varying degrees of, you know, what that is. Right. Mm -hmm. Like my assistant on Nebraska Shakespeare, Nick Jansen, fell down the stairs and sprained his ankle pretty badly. I was like, okay, so from my first aid training, I know I need to get him some ice. You can only have it on there for 15 minutes. In that time, I'm going to go run and get you a pressure bandage to wrap your ankle. And then we're going to golf cart you, 
you know, up to your car and get you a ride home. But in those moments, you need to be pretty chill because they're in pain. Other people are like, oh, my gosh, what do we do? (laughs) Like, just give them some ice, give them some space, (laughs) and we're going to take care of this, and it's going to be great. Everything's going to be fine. Right. Do you do IATSE and stage managing and everything full-time now, or... I know it says you're a donor relations coordinator mm-hmm. at Partnership for Kids. Is that your day job? Yeah, or? so that's my day job. And then I also do stage management and then uh, stagehand calls as well. Yeah, so it's a lot of time management and flexibility mm-hmm. and communication. Do you see yourself leaving Omaha to try stage management full-time? Or do you like where you're living? Do you like where you've landed? I. That's a hard question. I, you're young I'm enough sure. to do it. You're yes. young enough to do it if you want to do it. Yeah. And if you want to try and it and then come back. Yeah. And it's a thing that I've I've thought about. I haven't I haven't decided. Mm-hmm. It is a thing I do and currently think about. But I don't know where that will take me or lead me right now. Right now I'm kind of happy here. I I like the shows that I do. I like the contracts that I do. I like the companies that I work for. But yeah, I'm not sure where it's taking me next. I haven't, I haven't figured that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there a bucket list show that you'd like to work on that you've not worked on? Oh, man. Yes, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, when I was, I mean, it must have been in high school. There's a choreographer named uh, Matthew B- um, Bourne, I believe. Um, I'm not familiar. He created Edward Scissorhands, okay. the ballet. Oh. Yeah. And it's beautiful. <laughs> the music, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, mm-hmm. is great. But I remember seeing like trailers of that and I was like, oh my gosh, that is amazing. So that's always kind of been a bucket list show. Not that it's ever going to happen. <laughs> you never know. You never know. But really, really, I don't have bucket list shows. It's really just, I just want shows that are fun and technically demanding when you work a stagehand call what do you normally do it depends if it's a if it's a concert or a broadway show i'm usually on electrics so it's working with their lighting technicians to hang lights lay cable stuff like that Um, that's usually what it is we also do all of the convention center shows so it'll be hanging pipe and drape laying carpet different stuff (laughs) um for phantom of the opera i was in electrics but i worked with um, the pyro guy and so i got to help install um like the exploding pieces on the um or where the fuses where they would you know put the the pyro pieces onto um onto the chandelier and so that was really cool and just to kind of learn about that process we spent a long time uh, detangling fuses uh, for for those what else pushing things (laughs) so the fun part about um the stagehand calls is when you go in you know some like usually you know you generally kind of have a place where you live like if I go into a show I'm probably going to be in electrics but there's all of these different jobs that you can do you can be a pusher you can be on video you can be on audio they typically will assign you that that day or do you know before you go in it depends It depends. But all of those jobs, you just go in and you do that job. And that's all you do. And then you're done. So like if you go in and you are a pusher, 
A pusher just means that you push road cases and you push those road cases from the arena floor and you push it to the dock. And at the dock, that's where the loaders will load the trucks. So you're just handing it off and those loaders do everything on, on that. So you just have one job that you do the whole time. So it makes it pretty simple. And it's, it's really impressive like to see like these 22 truck shows or, you know, it doesn't like they have crazy shows like it's so big and it's just all of these people like you have you know 100 100 people come in to unload these shows and to make it what it is and then not only unloading it in the morning you know it's it's a little you know bit more chill you're getting everything set up you need to make sure it's all hung right you know but then you come in at the end of the show and it's go 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 and because they got to pack everything up and they get gotta, on the road. Exactly. And then they have to unload it the next morning somewhere else. So oftentimes you're moving pretty quick and it's high energy and you're, you know, you're moving fast. And it's it's impressive to see all of these people, you know, make something go up or come down in the speed that they do and in, you know, the level that they do it. It's, it's really impressive. And I, I love being a part of it and watching it. How long does it take to strike a show and I know it depends (laughs) I know it depends on well let's just take Phantom I mean Mm -hmm. how how long did it take to load it how long did it take to strike and you know everybody knows this I mean this has been the way since the beginning of time it always takes more time to load in a show than it does to strike a show Mm -hmm. and that doesn't matter if you're taking it on the road to somewhere else or if you're just taking it back in the shop on site right it always is longer to pre to to install than it is to uninstall right so for phantom i want to say i want to say the load-in was three days i was there for two of it so i'm not exactly sure sure on the number of days it took to get in general but you know it was it was a few days probably two to three and then for the loadout, we started at 9.30 p.m. and we worked until 9.30 a.m. the next day. So 12 hours straight. 12 hours straight. Did you have to be in there earlier than that or was 9.30 your call? 9.30 was our call. Okay. So you get in there early to check in. Right. But right. But then still. it's go time at 9.30. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you just work all night. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, you have your job and that's what you do during that time and... Everyone does their thing to be able to load the trucks in the order that it's supposed to go, and then they're out of there. And I want to say, I mean, it was it was 9.30 to 9.30. Like, yeah. we didn't get out any earlier. But, you know, some of the shows, it's it's different. So, like, some of them, like, uh, for Aladdin, they had um, an advance, and they, for specific, you know, for the flying carpet. So they, they come in, and they have to prepare the space for some of their technical elements. So they had a week where they were preparing for that and then they so they have basically two trucks so they have one set of equipment that goes from that hops okay so they come in and have that week that they're preparing for that and then their other truck is in the last space being used and so then you have your other trucks that are hopping from city to city so that's going to be like props costumes right that goes from place to place so that's how they can kind of break up that Mm -hmm. load-in process Mm -hmm. to you know get more But then you have two sets of equipment, so that's also right. money. <laughs> so yeah, so that's that was a longer process, but that's just how that one was. And then so loading that out was um wasn't as intensive or long. Like you basically had to get everything out that was 
going to the next city. And so we worked, you know, I want to say it was like 9.30 to maybe like 3.30 a.m. Like it mm-hmm. wasn't super long. I think maybe we were called until 5. I can't remember. Sometime between 3 a.m. and 5 a.m. And so we did that. And then you have more time to pack up that advanced package because it's just the other one. Right. Because, right. yep. Yep. Because the other ones came from the previous place and it's going to the next one. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a good way of doing it. I would think that would be more efficient that way. Yeah. Before we wrap up, I know you wanted to take a moment to talk about your experience stage managing Indecent at the Blue Barn. I really loved working on this show. It was a great show. It was a beautiful show. Mm -hmm. I had Stephen Williams on. uh, Well, on he's not on yet, but I mean, I interviewed him last week, and we talked about Indecent, and we talked about his... Uh, his scenic design and lighting design and about how it just seemed like it was a character unto itself. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it was. It, I mean, that show had, you know, you didn't only have actors, but you had musicians on stage, which is so cool. And when you have these different people come into the space, they don't always know, you know, everything about theater. So you're combining these different elements in that kind of way, you know, for blocking, you know, and stuff like that. There was new language and processes to be learned but then going into calling the show is probably my favorite show that I've ever called and I had 300 individual cues and it was I had lights I had sound and projections and so it's just were you in the booth yes yep so I was calling from the booth I was also running the light board and I had the light board in front of me and then I had Mindy Kotner. She runs, she was running the sound and the projections. Okay. So I have, so Indecent is a play with music, right? It's not a musical. Mm-hmm. And their book was sent, script was separate from the score. So I spent probably a few days merging those two together so that when I was running the show, I had both the score and the script together, but I had to cut those together myself. And then while I was running the show, so I have my cues within the score because we had projections that were translating the different language of the of the music, right? Because you had Yiddish and German and I think that was it. Yiddish and German, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, so you have Yiddish and German and they're singing in these different languages. And so we had projections so that people were able to understand what they, understand were, what they were singing about. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, those are being called as... Super titles. So you're calling every projection change. Yes. So I had my 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 script and my score on my left, and I'm reading my script and my score. My left hand is being used as a as a standby and a go for sound and projections. And then I have my right hand in front of me taking any light cues. So I'm reading and then giving Mindy goes with my hand and taking light cues all throughout these big songs. And it was so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and just as a follow-up to that, so, but getting away from Indecent for a moment. So Mm -hmm. if you're in a show where, or like the ballet, I think you had said, where you would have fly cues and mm-hmm. sound or light cues sound cues too i would imagine mm-hmm. and deck cues and all of those things right how do you call something like that i ask because 
<laughs> and maybe I made it overly complicated, but again, mm-hmm. I go back to things that, that I did. Right. And so like back when I was in college, um, I did uh, stage manager of the sound of music and we had light cues. We had sound cues. We had turntable cues. Mm-hmm. And I ended up resorting to using military code. Okay. For, for turntable cues, just mm-hmm. to, just to keep it straight so that right. everybody could keep it straight. It was like, turntable alpha (laughs) bravo (laughs) you know delta and i'm like i don't know maybe i made it way too confusing i suppose i could have just said turntable q1 and i didn't but i'm curious how you keep things straight when you have all of those different things that you need to call right so specifically with all of those different things with ballet we have different modes of communication between different areas so I'm on headset with lights and sound. Okay, so I'm only giving my light and sound cues through the headset. On rail, they have rail lights. So there's three different colors. There's blue, red, and green. I make a cue sheet beforehand that says, you know, rail cue one is with the red light. So at a minute before that cue needs to happen i press the red light and that's their warning Mm -hmm. so they know that it's a minute before rail cue one and then when i'm giving all of the goes so if there's lights if there's deck all of these things deck cues i was calling via radio Um, so we had like walkie talkies that all of the the deck crew had that my asm had my asm was on headset and radio so he could hear everything but so it was giving the different warnings and standbys via either headset, radio, or or lights um, on the rail, and then making all of those happen at once. So, <laughs> so for rail, it would just be turning off a light. But, you know, I've given a lights standby. So then it's, you know, taking the light and saying, you know, I've given the standby to lights. I've given the standby to deck. I've given the standby to fog you know i'll usually call it you know different things but if it's like you know they all have their standbys lights you know so you would give them each individual one so it's like standby lights 12 right and they're on the headset you give your standby for deck q2 and you have your standby for fog and then when you get to the point where it's the go time then it's just you know lights deck fog go and it's saying all of those things at the right time and then pressing the button at the right time so it's it's really managing that time leading up to Mm -hmm. the cue go Mm -hmm. and where you need to be sending that communication and what you need to be telling them in order for you just say lights fog sound go and that's it yeah yeah but it takes some practice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you sit down with your prompt book every night beforehand and go, okay, light sounded. Do you do that? Um, do you rehearse? No, I, I don't really rehearse. But it's more looking at... Sequences. Yeah. And w- like what time do I need to be doing these things? What things are close enough that I can give those standbys all at the same time? Um, Just to cut down on the verbiage, right? Because where you can get tripped up is if you're saying too many things in too close of a time and then you get behind and by the time you call it, it's 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 late. It's late. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a lot of that you can figure out in the tech process, Mm -hmm. you know, but Mm-hmm. You have to keep kind of looking at that and saying, okay, I tripped up on this thing. Where can I 
you know, how can I push that back a little bit further? Do I need to be calling, you know, standbys for bigger sequences? Do I need to be giving a standby for lights 13 through 18 as opposed to 13 through 17 and then giving another standby for 18, you know, depending on where it where it falls, right? Sure, sure. So then once you give your standbys, you can just say lights, go, lights, go, lights, go, sound, you know, sound and lights, go. But it takes cleaning up sure. to make it to make it clean for, for calling. Yep. Yeah. But it's fun. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> but I I really, you know, it I love the combining of all of those things and then making all of those things happen and seeing all of it happen and all of those different people and all of those different processes, all of those different technologies coming together to make that moment that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's awesome. What's your favorite color? Probably like a forest green. Ooh, I like that. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite swear word? Probably fuck. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Fuck. If you could go back in time and have lunch with anyone, who would you like to go back in time and have lunch with? Who would I go to lunch with? Probably Chuck Klosterman. He's my favorite author. Okay. (laughs) He... Just he's written some of my favorite books. One is called Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs. And it's a collection of pop culture essays. He's he's a pop culture writer and so he he writes a lot about, you know, music and movies and T V shows and yeah. It's great. It's so funny. Cool. I would love to sit down and talk to him. Any final thoughts you have on the role of the stage manager in theater? As a PSA for loving your stage managers and appreciating what they do is to really understand like the processes that they have to go through. Sometimes I don't feel like there's enough, I guess, appreciation for the stage manager and their position and what should be required of a stage manager in a space. Like, you know, rely on them for, for knowing the tech stuff. Like, you know, we're not just there to, to take notes and give out candy, right? We're not, we're not the secretary of the space, but you know, rely on us for what we need to be doing professionally. So we need to be looking out for for safety stuff. We need to be prepared for the tech. We need to be prepared for managing the space. And rely on us to be that hub of communication. Rely on us to be, you know, the person in charge of the situation, you know, for, for safety or whatever it is. You know, we need to, I guess, appreciate our stage managers and train them when they need to be trained and know what they're capable of and what they're not and assign people that can handle specific shows, specific situations, give them what they need. You know, sometimes I feel like maybe an assistant spot is overlooked, right? So you have your stage manager and maybe it's a really big show for one person. Maybe acknowledge that they need some extra help to be able to run that show the best that it can be to make sure that it's run safely. Sometimes I I feel like those things can be overlooked and I think stage managers are sometimes uh, more important than we get credit for. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's my PSA on, on stage management. Appreciate us. Let us work how we're supposed to and take the opportunity to train and provide the things that are needed for those stage managers to be better because we're ultimately the people who are there with the actors every day. We're there calling the light cues, the sound cues, the deck cues, right? 
We need to make sure that people are safe when flies are coming in and out. We need to know, you know, what what's expected and to make sure that we're providing the best space for those people. And for actors to really understand that stage managers are your your ally, right? I, I think sometimes um, people will be afraid of stage managers. And I think some stage managers like to be feared a little bit, maybe, that there's like a a power thing. But that doesn't make for a collaborative and safe and harmonious space, right? Like, so knowing, like, actors should know that they can come to you and say, hey, I felt unsafe in this. How can we make this better? You know, I've I've had actors come to me and say, hey, I was running this show or like I was running this scene and I felt very unsafe. What can we do to make this better? And so you need to be there to say, okay, like, I hear you. I know you're not feeling safe in that moment or we need to adjust this thing. And how do you execute that? Are you talking to the lighting designer to say, hey, we need a blue light in this space? Or, you know, maybe talking to a prop, you know, whatever it is, talking to the the director of the show to say, hey, this movement is making him feel uncomfortable. What can we do to adjust it a little bit? But just to be an ally for for those things. I don't think it's good to to lead a space in fear, but have people, you know, feel comfortable to be able to to ask you for for help. Like I never I, I think I, I talked about it during Shakespeare this summer. I said, I never want anyone to feel like they have to be courageous or brave to come talk to me. Like I'm here for you. Like I am here to help you however I can. So make sure that you're talking to me and don't be afraid to ask for things. Because that's the other thing too that I I kind of have a, a secret passion for is how do we empower our, you know, not just actors, but any designers or an artist in a space to advocate for things that they need, right? And I say this and maybe I'm not the best at doing it either, but it's a thing that I think about, you know, how... And I think it's, you know, it's more of a topic of conversation now, but if there is a rehearsal process and it's an intimate moment, right? Maybe two actors have to kiss and maybe they don't want to do it in front of everyone at first, but the director asks them to, right? How do, how do you, how do you deal with that? And I think part of that is the stage manager's job knowing, Hey, we have a scene coming up where there is an intimate moment before we get to that moment you know, you're, you know the schedule, you're going over it with the director, you know the day before and be like, hey, these actors have this moment where they are going to be intimate. We should schedule 15 minutes at the top of rehearsal so that we can talk to them, make sure that they're comfortable, see what they're comfortable doing, make sure that the space is closed, give them that time where they're comfortable moving forward with the process. But as a stage manager, you need to be prepared for those and feel empowered enough and strong enough to be able to share those thoughts and expectations with someone else. You know, because if an actor maybe doesn't want to do that and they're in the space where it happens and they do it, but they didn't want to, right? It's creating a negative environment. So how can you advocate for your actors and your designers looking out for them? You know, you're not just you're not just making it all come together. You're looking out for everybody and you're that communication hub. You're making sure that everyone is safe and able to produce the best artwork that they can. Thank you for listening to the Thank You Five podcast with original theme music by Tim Vallier. 
For more information about tonight's guest, please visit www.thankyou5pod.com. Be sure to head over to iTunes or Google Play to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. And remember that right now, somewhere in the world, a stage manager is saying, five minutes to curtain. Thank you, five. 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 That's theater talking.